Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast with me, Dr. Joseph Walker. This podcast is designed to offer strategies and moving vision to reality. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, and challenged to succeed at the next level. So prepare to be exposed, empowered, and equipped for excellence. Thank you for connecting and allowing this space to become an opportunity for growth and collaborative learning. Now, let's go on this journey together and spark the change we wish to see in ourselves, our teams, and the world. Hi, I'm Bishop Joseph Walker, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Pastoring Through a Pandemic. You know, this episode is very unique because we're going to be dealing with matters of the mind. You know, in this season of coronavirus, we have to admit that there's a lot of stress, a lot of grief, a lot of loss. We're dealing with a lot, and there are people who are juggling a lot, and really, I believe, there's this low-grade depression that is kind of pervasive throughout culture. We as the body of Christ must have a response and we must be willing to confront these issues head on so that we don't end up in places of depression. Let's be very clear. Social distancing is necessary, but it doesn't mean social isolation. We need community and there's so many resources out there that are able to help us to get the kind of quality counseling we need. I've convened an extraordinary panel of people from different walks of life to help us have a robust conversation around this subject. My guests bring a wealth of knowledge. I want you to pay attention. You know, before I go in, I wrote a book entitled Restored at the Root. And in this book, it was my attempt to really help the faith community understand that our faith matters, but also this issue of mental health. And when we get to the real root of the issue that we're struggling with, then we're able to produce better fruit. I encourage you to get it because it will really be a good tool and strategy to help you come to a place of complete wholeness. We get ready to go in, and I want you to pay attention because this one is going to be a blessing to you, to all of your family. So gather around. Let's go in and be blessed. So let me introduce my guests, and thank you so much for sharing with us again for pastoring during the pandemic. This is so important. This conversation we're having, we believe it is important for us to really focus in on this issue of mental health. I want to thank all of you for for tuning in. I have some extraordinary guests with me today. Let me, first of all, uh, welcome uh, my dear friend. Uh, He is a brother. He's a friend. He is a pastor of the Great Alfred Street Baptist Church of Alexandria, Virginia, Uh, none other than uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley. Bishop, thanks for letting me be on today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. And of course, we are grateful uh, for this woman of God who is doing incredible work. She is a pastor's wife. She has a unique position in the kingdom there in Baltimore because her work uh, professionally is in this area of counseling. Uh, She's a PhD in this area. She's written in this area. But what I'm very fascinated by is how she's able to merge that clinical community into the faith community to really help elevate that conversation beyond this phobia we have of going in to get help. And I'm so grateful to have her, uh, Dr. Anita Phillips. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be so impactful. We're excited. so much. Thank you for being with us. And of course, we're very, very grateful to have my sister with me today. She is uh, no stranger to any of us, but we're just so grateful because we know that she is a gospel artist. She is, uh, she's, she's an actress. She does so many different things. She's uh, part of uh, what we believe one of the greatest uh, groups, women groups on the planet, mm-hmm. Destiny's Child. But more importantly, she is 
uh, an ambassador for this area of mental health as she's done work in Washington, all around and the globe. And we're just appreciative of her courage and her story. And I'm thankful uh, for my sister, Michelle Williams. Thank you. Hello, Bishop. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on with this amazing panel. Well, thank you so much. You know, so we've been dealing with this issue and there's been a lot of different conversations out there. All of us have been, um, you know, really seeing in, in this space, um, a lot of conversations around mental health. And I think one of the things that I want to jump right into Dr. Phillips is we're seeing a spike clearly uh, because of the trauma that we're experiencing in culture now, and particularly in the faith community. This is, you know, uncharted territory. There's no book on this. Nobody's ever been trained. There's no seminary that trained us for this. We, we really hadn't been, we've been preaching about coming through storms, but nobody anticipated when the whole world shuts down, right? And we're seeing the spike. What are we seeing though? What are you seeing out there in terms of the various kinds of mental health issues and what mental health issues are really prevailing more than others? We are definitely seeing an increase in mental health distress and mental illness, um, depression and anxiety, but particularly anxiety and anxiety related disorders. As you said, Bishop, we're experiencing a trauma and I really need people to kind of recognize that and grasp that. This is a mass trauma. It's something that none of us ever anticipated, could not have possibly prepared for. And so anxiety in particular is spiking because we become anxious when we don't know what's next. We become anxious when things are unsure, and this situation could not be more unsure. People are also grieving heavily. The deaths in the United States are approaching 90,000 people. And on average, when a person passes away, about five people are acutely grieving for that individual. But in communities of color where we have extended family networks and we're very close to our churches, that number is probably a little higher. So think about that, almost 90,000 lives lost that's about half a million people who are also in acute grief. So between the anxiety and the grief, we are really looking at some difficult effects that could last for a long time. You know, you mentioned that word grief. I could not help but think about many of us of having to work through this one issue, uh, not being able to grieve our loved ones appropriately. You know, I lost a pastor who pastored uh, for over 50 years. Mm. A legend, um, civil rights icon. And people are dying in this era and we're having to literally minimize their legacy to a Facebook graveside service without being able to celebrate. And that's an entirely different level of grief that we're having to process and work through. Um, how have you been able to help people process that? Because that's like a double whammy, right? It is a double whammy because it feels so impersonal. It feels like you said, we're not honoring the legacies and the hits are coming so quickly one person, another person. So it is very difficult. I encourage people to take both a now and later approach. Like right now, what can we do to connect with each other? What can we do to honor this person? But also planning that at a later time, we will gather to honor them properly and go as far as maybe even putting that date on the calendar on this day in 2021, perhaps their birthday or an important anniversary, we're going to gather to celebrate them in a proper way so that their legacy does feel like it's been honored. But the other loss is that we're not able to physically touch one another. And the big deal about the funeral is honoring the person who passed away, but also the comfort that is received by physical touch, not just words. And so the absence of that is hurting us. So I encourage people to try and connect with people as much as they can. There are other ways for us to help our bodies connect with comfort from another body. We don't have to just talk on Zoom. I encourage people to sing together. 
I encourage them to read scripture together because singing in particular brings some endorphins into our body that can actually lift our mood. And when we sing with other people, our heart rate actually starts to come in sync with the person we're singing with. So there are so many ways to physically connect, even though we're not actually touching each other. I think we have to get creative and start to bring some of our church traditions into this space because they really have helped our mental health over the years. Wow, that is, that is such a revelation. I had no idea that that would happen, mm-hmm. come in sync like that, but it, mm-hmm. it's very biblical and uh, that's really powerful. You know, yeah. Michelle, you know, mental health has been an issue that is in the, in the African-American community that has been, you know, kind of the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. A lot of folks are dealing with it. And now we're seeing kind of a low-grade depression happening across, you know, the board. And, uh, you know, your story is powerful because it's a story about confronting it, being honest about the journey and, and being willing to act, actually become an advocate for it. Uh, what are you seeing and how are you processing this and how are you helping people walk through this from your particular platform? Well, I'm definitely helping people from a place of compassion. So many people, we are all dealing with this. We've never dealt with this. I know my mother has said never in her lifetime, what she's 68, she's never seen anything like this. Um, and so, you know, I'm also... I'm dealing with people who simply don't know how to just be at home. Literally, I've been talking with someone who just doesn't understand or know what it's like to be home. As we discussed off the live Zoom call, was like, I love being at home. I'm a homebody. So this is amazing for me. It's therapeutic for me. So it's almost um, helping people to find ways to make it therapeutic. You know, um, being able to just sit down. I bought some live plants the other day. It's just giving me something new to do. So maybe while you're home, find something new to do. I'm sure some of your baseboards around your home is dusty. You know, so <laughs> it's almost finding um, things new to do every other day or every day, you know, but for me, I also coming from a place of compassion because I live alone. You know, I don't have a home with the spouse and children running around. So I'm literally trying to help from a place of compassion. A lot of people are literally losing their minds right now. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, I think that uh, when you talk about just being home and being still, you know, it kind of gives me some a good segue into, uh, you know, Dr. Howard John Wesley, who who really did something that was extraordinary, I think, particularly even pre-COVID. And now I want to talk to him about, you know, how, how that is impacting him now. This idea of Selah, this idea of being still, recognizing when it's time to take a pause, a break, and you did that, and you did it publicly. And it was a teaching moment for the kingdom because we are grinding and moving. And now we're seeing culture in a place now where we're all having to be still, which for some of us is counterintuitive, right? It doesn't feel normal to be still. You know, some of us work in chaos. We work in this, you know, this aspect. How was this moment for you, number one, just, you know, be, how, what, did, what did Selah produce for you? But now that you have returned, you return back with an expectation to engage your congregation only to find out that now you're in a place where it's a prolonged Selah. It's a prolonged distancing from your membership. Well, the Selah journey for me for those three months was absolutely critical. You, I, we didn't know this was going to happen, but as I see now what the Lord was doing in my life, it was almost preparing me for what would be necessary now, mm-hmm. uh, to take that step back, to, to reignite myself in my own relationship with the Lord, to shut everything out and realize that unless God is first for me, everything else falls out of place. And so one, prioritizing God, 
two, resting, um, and three, working on my own physical health, dropping all those numbers, the A1C, the blood pressure, the heart rate, you know, changing the diet, Bishop, all that was critical for me um, to get back on in my strongest place. And now to kind of see that our whole congregation, the whole world is put in a place of Selah, I think it's a golden opportunity, um, as Michelle was saying, and Dr. Nita, to address those internal issues. So not only finding something new to do every day, but really a time of self-examination and reflection that you don't have when you're hustling and bustling. It's amazing. God's call to say lot of Sabbath for his people was because they were slaves. And the one thing slaves never get to do is rest. And what I shared with my congregation that I hope listeners gather tonight, anything you can't rest from, you're a slave to. So this is breaking slavery for us of this productivity, of this busyness, uh, to be able to find that. And to Michelle's point, if being still causes anxiety and almost a sense of losing your mind, that kind of lets you know your life isn't balanced and there aren't boundaries because we have to become comfortable in still moments in order to really nurture our walk with God. That is that is so Wow, it's clear why all of you are on the panel. This is uh, so good. You know, one of the things that I, I, I'm discovering out there is this disruption, right, of what's considered normal day-to-day activity. And things have been disrupted. And we've, none of us have ever lived through COVID. And uh, in our lifetime, we've never experienced something like this. Uh, you have to go back to the early 1900s for somebody to testify, you know, or went through something like this. And so now we're, we're seeing people in the pew. We're seeing lay people, you know, disillusioned by this, Dr. Phillips, everybody's like, when do we go back to things as normal? Mm-hmm. And the fact is, yeah. it'll never be as it was. And how are we helping people? How do we help people grasp that concept that there really will be a new normal here? I think as a church, from a spiritual perspective, it has never been more important um, to present the word of God and the gospel in a balanced way. People are in danger of not only being emotionally traumatized during this time, but spiritually traumatized as well. Because what what happens when that scripture I was quoting doesn't seem to be working? I'm saying, do not be anxious, but I'm anxious. I believe Mm -hmm. God that my loved one would be healed, but they passed away. I lost my job. These things are happening and we go to the spirit realm for an explanation. And so people are depending on their pastors, on their ministries to guide them spiritually in a way that is balanced and produces a healthy faith. Because just using my Bible as a shield from trouble all the time doesn't make sure that I know how to handle trouble when it comes. Mm. And so we don't want to give pet answers right now. We want to remind people that we are saved for for salvation for our eternity, that we win in life and we win in death. People really need a balanced approach to their spirit life right now or else it could destabilize them. Emotionally, I think pastors can set an amazing example right now by modeling taking care of their own mental health by being honest about what they're doing to stay well, because the people will follow their lead. And so talking about paying attention to your own mental health, talking about what you're doing to balance it and encouraging people that it's okay to feel you have not failed in your faith because you're having some difficult emotions right now. I know we like to say faith over fear and quick things like that, but it's not time for that right now. It's time to let people really be where they are encourage them, support them that we will get through this and there will be a new normal, but we have to take care of ourselves along the way. Glad to have Ricky join us. Thank you for joining us, Ricky. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> don't kill me. I'm so sorry. Please don't kill me. Go ahead. <laughs> ah, 
Oh, Ricky, we, we are fine. We know how incredibly busy you are. And thank you for being a part of the panel. Michelle, you know, one of the things that I, I want to ask, because, you know, I, I've been sharing with, with leaders. I, I get inundated, and Dr. Phillips, I know you understand this, and, 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 and Dr. Wesley. I inundated with leaders as, as a, a Reformation leader. People are calling, and they are, they are weeping, they're crying. And these are leaders that they really don't know what to do. Because this is, we're having to reimagine what, what church will look like. We've spent years building up, and now we've got to look at what's left and figure out where to go from here. And Michelle, I think there's an, there's an assumption, Michelle, that people who have reached a certain level in life don't experience this level of trauma, right? There's this idea of image. I call it the image versus integrity issue, right? There's this image of having an Instagram and Facebook and my life is wonderful and whatever. And, you know, you've clearly been, you know, on the forefront of breaking that whole mask piece and getting to the real core issue of letting people know that it doesn't matter what altitude you navigate at, Mm-hmm. everybody has to wrestle through these issues. And can you talk about that and maybe how you've had to work through that so folks won't make those assumptions that because I'm at a certain level or what have you, that you know, I can't let people see me weak or broken in this space? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the people that you might think have it all together on the outside, they're really some of the ones that are dealing with a lot of internal issues. Um, you're talking about doctors, pastors, lawyers, police officers, anybody that seems in this, that in a place of authority and a place of, like you were saying, success. And I was just telling someone today that I know my inspiration to be successful was to escape what I witnessed growing up, whether uh, witnessing abuse, being a recipient of some of that abuse. So it's like, that's what you want to run from, right? But what you're running from, you're still taking that with you. And somewhere along the line, I know for me, I think when you're climbing, it's the, it's the adrenaline of the climb. All that is not getting to you right now. But once you get to a place and you're stable and you're just kind of cruising and you're, you're stable in your life and your career, I'll say what happened for me. That's when things started coming to a head that I'm not okay. Or um, now finally able to put a name to what I was feeling, even as young as 12 years old. I was in my 30s when I was diagnosed as having depression, right? But when you're growing up, you just think you're going through growing pains. Um, you're just thinking, um, I'm turning into a woman and I'm hormonal. Or if you're a guy, you're just thinking, I'm turning into a man going through puberty and all these things. Now I have a name to it, right? So I think, um, but I was trying to escape from that. I was trying to mask that with success. I don't care what sector you are in, you cannot mask success. Um, You cannot mask your trauma or your abuse with success because it will come out some way one or another. And usually for some reason, about in your forties, it'll start coming out. Mm, wow. Wow. Ricky, you know, thank you for being on today. And I know you're incredibly busy going from one thing to the next. And I appreciate you being a part of this serious discussion because, you know, as the voice of black America, you're, you're being inundated with, with, with folks, your therapy on the radio, you know, you're, you're hearing <laughs> traumatic experiences, people dealing with COVID and all the outreach you're doing and things of that nature. And I guess you've kind of become like a radio pastor to people, you know, and that's the fact. And what are you seeing and uh, experiencing people calling in the letters and emails that you're getting? And, and what do you think the church 
could do better in terms of helping some of these folks walk through this uh, particular pandemic? Uh, we get a lot of phone calls. Uh, There's a lot of depression out there. Uh, we have Yanetta Spring, who's a member of your church, uh, to come on every Tuesday. We do talk about Tuesday on our morning show uh, to get people to talk out their problems and go through therapy because you're right, everything just stopped. I mean, everything just stopped. I mean, you live your whole life and now only 10 people can show up at your service if you happen to pass away. And, you know, I'm go- I went from, you know, being on the road and, you know, performing here, performing there, doing all the things that I do to like, it seems like early retirement. And I think uh, sometimes I hit a little spot when I get off the air. You know, when I hit this button right here and jump off the microphone or whatever, it's uh, it's the it's the Home Depot or to get some tools to fix some stuff, just to kind of keep my mind occupied when I've been performing for thirty years, like thirty mm. years in the game. Oh, you know? Wow! Yeah, thirty years. I started November thirteenth, eighty nine. Thirty years of stand up, stand up comedy. You know, it it can be depressing, but you just have to you have to get there, but you have to talk to somebody. You know, you can't just sit there. And uh, just sit idle. You have to keep your mind occupied. But I, I really feel bad for a lot of the people that call in our morning show that have lost their job. I feel bad for a lot of the essential workers have to go to work every day, putting their health at risk, uh, trying to save other lives. You know, you feel bad when you see uh, the way we get treated when we do try to get out and go out and do something mm-hmm. and buy supplies, fix up our yard. You go into stores and feel like you hate it and feel like you're not wanted. I want to go for a walk in my neighborhood. You know, uh, I really, I, I really do. I really want to go for a walk. I really want to go jogging. You know, I'm a former athlete or whatever. I can't because I'm scared. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it's it's a lot when you see the stuff on news, on the news and Facebook and uh, racial profiling and and stuff like that. It's just it's just dangerous. It's all around. And uh, watching people go through this kind of stuff, and then when people call in. And you just let them vent on the air. Uh, is 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 really is really saying is really saying. You know, one of the things, Doctor Weston, I, I want Doctor Phillips to, to come in right after you on this because clearly, I think what Ricky is sharing is something that I, you know I've been paying attention to as well. You know, we we talk often about how COVID nineteen adversely is affecting the African American community economically, how it's impacting mm-hmm. us, you know, in terms of health disparities, etc. But we're not really dealing so much with, you know this idea of racism didn't stop, profiling didn't stop. And so, you know, obviously the most recent issue we saw with the young man who was killed jogging, and now the idea of what it means, this is what I'm getting at, to say stay safer at home is literally almost a privilege for some. For instance, in most of our communities, there is no such thing as safer at home because they're in situations where, you know, in housing, you may be five or six people in the same confined area or in a, in a housing project development and all these different things. And then when folks attempt to go and take walks and do things, they're always under suspicion or having to layer that on top of the fear of catching COVID. Now, I don't want to catch a bullet. I don't want to be arrested for wearing a mask or et cetera. And so, you know, Dr. Wesley, I want you to speak to that in terms of, you know, just how have you been processing that and helping folks walk through that? And then, of course, Dr. Phillips, I you know, want to hear from you in that regard. Yeah, you know what, Bishop? Um, I was in working out with my son in the garage the other day, and my younger son came in and uh, got on his bike. And I was like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to take a ride. And I don't think white America understands the fear that went through my heart wow. about my 13-year-old just riding his bike in his neighborhood. 
He's yes, a sir. Boy, he ought to be able to ride his bike outside. And the only thing I worry about is he's going to be back before the, the streetlight come on. But I was fearful for his life. And Dr. Nita, that's a trauma I never thought I experienced. To, to be that afraid of mm. freedom that ought to be his, it, it kind of sunk in on me. And so one of the things I've preached last week, Bishop, was how this COVID has exposed the racial depravity of America. So even if you didn't think racism was dead, what you are experiencing are just the blatant acts of racism and injustice that our people deal with every day and being able to have a place in church where we can vent that. So there are members who get a little upset with me when I name the anger or share what I feel as a black father fearing for my son. You shouldn't be uh, pressing that anger button and make people angry. If you don't vent it, it will internally eat you up. And the black church is the safest space to be able to say, yo, this has to stop. This is killing us. Mm -hmm. This is wearing us out. So one of the things I've tried to do in church, even in our virtual sermons, is to be able to name the pain and let's, let's sit in it for a moment to be able to identify it and then release it. Otherwise, it's going to eat us up. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I want you to subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or whatever podcast or download it. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at josephwalker3. I look forward to connecting with you.